Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include What Recession? My interview with Justin Berry of Morris Manning and Martin LLP on the build to rent space and current housing supply woes and fixes. In reaction to yesterday's strong retail sales figures. Today's podcast is presented by the Stratmore Group, the data-driven mortgage advisory. At Stratmore, insights and knowledge are applied to guide mortgage clients to make sound strategic decisions and take actions that improve their success. To learn more, visit stratmoregroup.com. Economists, Fed officials, and bond market traders are still ruminating over the recent inflation, jobs, and retail sales data. For example, the Consumer Price Index rose 0.5% month-over-month and 6.4% year-over-year in January, according to the Labor Department, after a 6.5% year-over-year increase in December. Quote, We must remain prepared to continue rate increases for a longer period than previously anticipated. If such a path is necessary to respond to changes in the economic outlook or to offset any undesired easing in conditions, Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas President Lori Logan says, I say, what recession? For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the podcast Justin Barry, a partner in Morris Manning and Martin LLP's commercial real estate development and finance and commercial lending practice groups. Mr. Barry has experience representing banks, life insurance companies, and other financial institutions in structuring, negotiating, and documenting a variety of lending transactions, including development and construction loans, real estate secured term and acquisition loans, and syndicated loan facilities across all asset classes. Home building has really come to the light here in the last year or two, and, and not necessarily for the best reasons. We're hearing builders can't keep up with demand or builders are shuttering projects because of the high supply chain costs. Can you explain the build to rent space? And I, I guess when builders are building homes, do they have intentionality when they set out saying we're going to to build these structures to be rentals versus we're going to build these to sell these or is it are they at the demand or the or sorry are they at the mercy of the the market when it comes to actually moving them built to rent is is exactly how it sounds you have um, mostly institutional builders um, that will build either one-off homes a series of homes that are you know replicating an apartment style community um, meaning you know, single family homes that have their own four walls, but they're closely packed in. So it kind of is like a horizontal apartment, we'll call it. And then there's, you know, full scale developments um, that are for rent. So it is, in fact, they're building the houses to be rented. Um, you know, some builders hold them on their balance sheets and, and have the rental streams and others sell them to investors, uh, you know, upon CO. Um, so that's the build to rent space. Again, three types. There's the horizontal model, which is pretty rare in, in my market, which is Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you see this a lot in the Phoenix kind of Southwest areas and across Texas where they're stacked in homes, but they're for rent. Um, there's also the, the one-off homes that are scattered throughout, you know, metropolitan areas um, that are rental units. And then there's the, the full-scale de- dedicated rental communities. Uh, and the rental communities are replicating the amenities of apartment living as well. They'll have the gym, they'll have the pool, et cetera. So you're you're getting the apartment um, amenities, but in the form of a single family rental unit. Um, 
And yes, builders go into a project with intention to either sell for fee ownership or uh, keep or sell for rental. Um, so there's definitely um, an intention there. When they go into the project, they have intention, but that intention is in fact driven by the demand. And what we're seeing is an increased demand for rental units. Let's talk demand a little bit. How, how would you characterize the current build to rent space? What's going on out there? <laughs> well, it's, it's an interesting and fluctuating fluid market at the moment. Um, build to rent is a hot product um, for several reasons, I think. Number one, and you addressed this earlier, generally speaking, there's a lack of housing supply. Um, and this probably goes back to sort of the financial crisis of 2008-9, um, builders just stopped building uh, lower-end homes because the demand wasn't there. Um, and so this created sort of a, a, a supply that wasn't meeting the demand as we grew out of the recession. So uh, builders are trying to um, release supply to the market, and they're doing this in build-to-rent communities um, in a large scale. With rising interest rates, it, over the last, say, six to nine months to, to stave off inflation, uh, what we're seeing is a theoretical increase in demand for rental because mortgage rates, as mortgage rates go up, it becomes more uh, financially viable to rent. Um, that being said, as interest rates go up, required cap rates and, and returns for investors on these built-to-rent communities also goes up. Um, so, you know, I guess the result is that in order to keep pace with the required required returns, you'd have to raise rentals. So builders are having a hard time penciling out the deals. They just don't pencil out like they used to maybe a year or two ago. Um, so that's one thing that, that builders are struggling with. Um, I think, you know, another thing, as you mentioned also, is is, is supply costs have gone up. Um, you know, Lumber is a, is is an often cited reference point for construction costs, and that's obviously one small piece of the total pie. But um, you know they've gone up, and 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 therefore made it more expensive uh, to build these communities. So that's um, n- number two, and and then number three, the builders are having a hard time with their exits um, as buyers' um, financing falls apart. Um, they- lined up to buy when they when they reach CO certificate of, of occupancy when they complete the project but meanwhile while they were building the the project um the, the buyers lenders have backed out or raised rates and therefore it is no longer financially viable for the buyer to proceed with the transaction so what you're seeing is a lot of uh, builders kind of stuck with the product um and we're seeing some distress come online i think the fourth thing is is uh is, is that i'll point out is these communities tend to be not in urban areas but in suburban areas and outlying areas of major metropolitan areas and there's a shortage of good buildable land uh frankly so you know as so builders are struggling to to meet the demand because there's just not a lot of good sites that uh, i'll call them easy sites to build on there there may be um you know, easements and other environmental concerns and other things like that, that that just it, there's a lot of hair on these sites. Um, all the good sites have been built, have been built out. All the easy ones have been have been developed already. So um, and I, I think a, a part of that is also communities, municipalities and counties 
you know, trying to actively legislate against these types of communities. Everyone thinks that housing is good for low end markets, just not in my neighborhood is, is sort of the refrain that we're hearing. And so we're seeing some some cities and towns legislate against the build to rent. They just want build. They want the fee model and they don't want renter communities. Those are the struggles that the built to rent um, community is facing today to meet demand. Well, at the risk of belaboring the point here, what, in your opinion, would it take to to bring supply and demand back into balance? Builders have have been building at lower levels over the last couple of years here than than historical averages since the 1950s. Demand exists. Obviously, you just listed several issues and, and hindrances to this, but what, what will it take to, to restore some sort of equilibrium here? I think there needs to be a recognition on the part of you know, society at large, you know, America in general has promoted a fee ownership model. You know, the American dream is to own your own property. And that's all well and good. Um, you know, historically, America has been in the 60 to 65 percent home ownership rate. Uh, 65 percent of the people that live in homes own them versus 35 percent rental. I think that those numbers were pressed up pre-2008 to around 70 percent. And then you know, as the crash hit, we saw, you know, the, the, the final 5% sort of get shaken out of the market and we settled back into the 65%. I think we need to recognize that um, the built to rent community and is, is provides high quality entry level housing stock to the market. And, and, you know, once we get past the stigma of a, of a rental versus an owned property, I, I think you'll see these municipalities ease up on the restrictions. Um, and I think it'll unlock some of these deals um, in, in a good way for, for society at large. I mean, if we've got, I, I read a stat that said we're somewhere between one and a half and five million housing units short. So we have a, to your point, an extreme shortage of housing. And I think a great way to deliver product to the market is in the rental, is in the rental space. Um, you know, quite frankly, like institutional owners that are renting these these properties are, are responsible landlords and are in fact probably better <laughs> able to keep you know the maintenance up on these sites and are and 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 keep them in in a respectable manner versus a, you know a one off owner that you know may not have the the financial or wherewithal to to maintain their site. So. Those are some things that could help. I think, you know, from a you know, macroeconomic standpoint, I think rates settling out and inflation settling out, um, rates meaning interest rates, will help uh, these developers more accurately pencil the deals and make them work financially. I don't necessarily think that we need low interest rates to make these deals happen, but what we need is a little bit more predict predictability in terms of where the market's going. Um, from a cost standpoint and a rate standpoint. Rents are often a good barometer of what's going on out there, but it, it seems like it's in a, a lag sense. I, I saw some article that said rents in San Francisco uh, mirror but lag capital expenditures in technology by 18 months or rents lag housing prices in Tulsa, Oklahoma by six months in terms of, in terms of the way that they fluctuate in tandem. When it comes to taking clues uh, from what's going on in, in the purchase market and applying it to the rental market or vice versa, what do you draw uh, parallels? How do you how do you view it? Um, 
I, I do think that rents lag uh, the market slightly. I think part of that is due to the turnover, you know, the, the lease terms. I mean, you can't raise rents as fast as the Fed's raising interest rates, for instance, because you're locked in as a landlord to a certain rent per month. Um, the most extreme example is like rent control departments in, in New York that <laughs> still exist today. Um, so there's an, there's an inherent lag based on lease term and other things that, 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 that makes that true. You know, I, I do think that as interest rates go up, the demand for rent becomes greater and eventually you'll see rents catch up. Um, but it, it's, it's just, it, it is a lagging market and, and that's sort of what we can take from that. Um, there's no way that that a landlord could raise rents as quickly as as the Fed is raising interest rates. Do prevailing mortgage rates impact rental prices? Is it is it as simple as saying, oh, home, uh, you know, home affordability did this for owners, so so that'll trickle straight into renters? Is it, is it one to one if there is a, a trickle effect? There's no chance that it's neutral. It's got to have some effect. Um, it's not one to one. You know, you kind of look at it a little bit like the car ownership model. If you want to draw an analogy, you know, there was no car leasing in the until like the eighties, I think. And you know, o- over time, leasing became more popular in the car market, and eventually is now about fifty percent of the market. And if you look at the financial terms of a car lease and compare them to the financial terms of a finance purchase, they, they're basically the same or substantially similar. And I think ultimately the money that's going into a build for fee versus build for rent uh, development, the, the money requires the same returns in, in a lot of respects. Um, and therefore those numbers tend to even out over time. Again, the rental, the, the rents tend to lag um, a little bit, but, but overall, you'll see it kind of approach to the same uh, financial model. So, yeah, we've we've seen here over the last couple of years. You you talked about cars, their car price, used car prices skyrocketed during the pandemic, and then went down, and then now they're coming back. And, and that seems obviously more volatile than rents. Rents just kind of seem to be on a, a steady upward tick across time. I'm going to ask you to to put on your uh, or take out your crystal ball here a little bit. What do you what do you see in the the rent space or the build to rent space moving through 2023 and, and over the next couple of years? Yeah. So the, it, it's, it's, it's a great question. And if I had the answer, um, I probably wouldn't, get <laughs> I would, I would probably raise money <laughs> in some sort of fund and then put it out into the market. Cause there's some arbitrage there. Um, I, I do think that, you know, the, the macroeconomic uh, state of being here, um, will impact people's ability to pay the high rents uh, that you're seeing, mainly in more urban areas, and drive people to these sort of ancillary markets, um, suburban markets where you're seeing the built-to-rent um, communities crop up and flourish. So as it relates specifically to built-to-rent single-family homes, I think you're going to see those rents continue to increase as demand increases for those. Well, I mean, if, if you look at another factor here, I mean, you've got the millennial sort of generation kind of aging out in of the apartment living and into, you know, that now they want homes. Um, they want 
room for their dog to to go in the backyard and play around. They want their 2.4 kids to have their own bedrooms. And so you're seeing a demand for single family homes amongst the millennials. Um, but they also want the same uh, amenities as in an apartment development. Um, and so that's what this this product provides um, is an easy transition into a single family home without the financial demands of, of putting a down payment on the house, committing to a 30 year mortgage. And I also think that the millennials aren't thinking about uh, home ownership in the same way that a prior that prior generations have, uh, particularly the baby boomers. Um, there's there's not as much stigma on renting a house as there once was, and so I, you know my prediction on that is that rents will continue to go up uh, in the build to rent space. It, it's hard to imagine um, that rents could go up much higher <laughs> in the downtown urban areas in apartment living. Um, you know, hearing these stories of rentals in New York and San Francisco and and now where I live in Atlanta, I mean, you can't get a studio apartment in Atlanta Midtown for under $2,000, it seems like. So um, it's got to stop at some point. And if I knew the answer, I wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does feel like the middle class is being squeezed out here in, in one way or another. And, and I like that answer because people will ask me, Robbie, what where are mortgage rates going? And I, I say, if I knew where mortgage rates are going, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be on a beach sipping sipping my Mai Tai from all the money that I I made from placing the proper bets. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you answered that way. Justin, I want to thank you for making the time for me today. I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, retail sales bounced back last month, rising 3% in January after declining in three of the prior four months. The largest increase in two years points to consumer resilience and upside risk to Q1 spending, though recent volatility takes some shine off of this report. Combined with the CPI report showing the overall rate of inflation slowing just slightly, and separate measures of manufacturing coming in better than expected, the figures reveal an economy shunning the Fed's efforts to rein it in. After Tuesday's CPI reading, today we received the producer price index, along with January housing starts building permits, and weekly jobless claims. We begin the day with agency MBS prices a touch better in price than Wednesday evening, and the tenure yielding 3.79 after closing yesterday at 3.81%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Here's some more things you say after 60. They have the best early bird special in town. Oh, you know the film. It's the one with you-know-who from that show you like. Anyone up for a game of canasta? Oh, I'm not going all the way over there. It's almost five miles. Where do they find the energy? What did I have for breakfast? Hmm. Ugh. You call that music? Ronald Reagan. Now there's a president for you. (laughs) Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, the Stratmore Group, the data-driven mortgage advisory. At Stratmore, insights and knowledge are applied to guide mortgage clients to make sound strategic decisions and take actions that improve their success. To learn more, visit stratmoregroup.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.